Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. How many have had some turmoil that has caused them to lose their peace to where you're just kind of in derision and you had no peace? What are the signs of the lack of peace? What are the signs? When peace is absent or void, what is the sign? Confusion and aggravation? Oh, agitation. Agitation, confusion, aggravation, frustration, lack of focus, sleeplessness, anxiety, lose your appetite or you eat too much, one or the other. Yeah, you get emotional, and we usually go to the extremes of any spectrum. Psychologists, counselors, and, and those who understand psychological um, makeup of mankind knows that whenever there are things that disturb our peace, it can even have a physical effect on us to where we can be sick. You know, acid reflux is as a result of, of it's not just, oh, something didn't settle well in my stomach. No, literally the enzymes that are, are normally produced to combat the excessive amount of acid is no longer functioning because now that energy is being used to worry about something else. And so while you're sleeping, the devil's creeping, right? Um, irritable bile syndrome. I'm just calling these things out because we're in a, in a time frame of, of realness and spiritual warfare. Irritable bile syndrome, migraine, headaches, um, congestive heart failure, uh, low cholesterol, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, low blood pressure. All of these things are hypertension. All of these things are byproducts of the lack of peace in certain areas of our lives. Even cancer and cancerous cells, sicknesses, all of those rogue types of ailments that run throughout our bodies that try to overtake us begin to latch a hold or fill in voids where there is no peace. And I'm going to show you something tonight about the peace of God. I'm going to show you how when the peace of God comes, even though those things exist, they don't land. They don't stay. They just kind of flush their way through and then they go back. You know, the enemy can only bother you for a season. He can't completely occupy and possess your life. If he did, you wouldn't be here tonight. Rarely would a possessed person come to service and sit under the word of God, because from the time they hit the door to the time they leave, there's going to be word going forth. There's going to be glorifying God and they can't take it. It's like repellent. And so that may explain some people's absence, but that also may also explain the fact that, okay, you haven't lost it all because you're here. The devil hasn't completely got victory or control over your life because you're here, you're present. And being present, being in the presence of the Lord affords us the opportunity to have what? The fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy and his right hand there are pleasures evermore, evermore. Meaning you don't have to wait and get into the hereafter. It, the pleasures can start now. And they're not the pleasures of our own desire, meaning mm, I want this and I want that. No, it's like, wow, that was God and it was pleasurable. The thing about the pleasures of the Lord is that they usually don't line up with our same senses toward things like ice cream or the pleasure of a good movie or, you know, a good nap. Those are pleasurable things, but those are limited to earthbound responses. God will give us pleasure. He becomes satisfaction to our soul. And one of those things is the peace that he promises us. He says he will keep our hearts and our minds in perfect peace if we keep our hearts and our minds stayed on him. Enemy will deceive us into believing that you're not going to make it. And that, okay, well, you're going to make it, but you're going to be dragging all the way through. I'm not dragging to the kingdom. I'm going to go in leaping and running and jumping. When that man was by that gate, by laying by that pool, he got up leaping. And he took up his bed. He grabbed stuff up and said, look, 
I'm delivered from this. And that's how we should live. It shouldn't necessarily be that, you know, like we just made it another Wednesday. I'm praying against the, the embassy of the enemy. You know what an embassy is? Somebody who represents a kingdom or a nation. And the enemy will send that up in here through people who are willing to open themselves up to depression, to rejection, to malice, anger, envy, strife. All of the works of the flesh has to reside somewhere, but just not in my flesh. Just say not in my flesh. So anybody who's spiritual and unfortunately or fortunately, I guess I've been kind of hyper spiritually sensitive lately, you know, sort of like Spider-Man is hypersensitive, you know, to certain things. I'm hypersensitive to spiritual warfare. And I don't want us to be preoccupied with everything being warfare and ooh, the devil chasing us. No, if we stand watch where we're supposed to stand watch and we carry out our part in the army of God, the peace of God will come and we won't always be at war. We won't always be warring in our flesh. I know the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, but the spirit wins. Every instance in the word of God, the spirit wins. And so we need to fast forward and advance, I guess, the line on the enemy, uncover him and tell him, no, not today. No depression, not this week, not the same cycle. You see how quickly these weeks come and go? You see how the patterns are easily so easily set to where you eat the same thing the same night of each week and you watch the same programs and you have the same pattern? Well, the enemy wants to lull us to sleep. He wants to lull us into that, but he does it right in the midst of chaos and turmoil and we can't find any peace. Now, I would say to you, yeah, create patterns that are comfortable if you got peace. But if there's no peace in your life and there are areas in your life there's unrest, then you don't have time to, to sleep or to rest or to be lulled into it. So I'm challenging you today. It's not just a religious practice. It's relationship practice. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And that's in Matthew, the fifth chapter. To see where the Beatitudes are being shared by Jesus. And he's speaking to a multitude of people and giving them instruction and guidance on how to be, quote unquote, the people of God, the people of God. And there are quite a few um, beatitudes that sound poetic. They even sound, um, you know, calming in a sense because there's a lot of blessed are they. Blessed are they. There's a lot of blessed are they. We could easily, you know, identify with it. I remember when I first got saved, I read those and I was like, let me pick which one I want to be. Am I the only person? Am I the only person? How many felt like you can get like two or three of them? You know, maybe two or three. And then did anybody say, oh, I want all of these? And then you were wondering in your mind, it's like, okay, can I be all of these? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, because these are not isolated groups of people. These are not demographic groups that, okay, there's a, you got the pure at heart over there, and the rest of them, their heart's not that pure, right? Then you got the hungry, thirsty over there, and they shall be filled. No, what it is is that these attributes that he's speaking of is for everyone that is called his own. And it culminates really with this whole peace thing. And that's really where I'm, where I'm driving today is that the peace part, the whole peace part is the ultimate attribute of God. He is a God of peace. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah where we read last week that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and ultimately the Prince of Peace. And he's speaking of Jesus here, which means that if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, his Father, God, is the God of Peace. So we serve a God of Peace and we're God's people. What should we have more of in our lives? More than anything, we should have peace, no matter what the situation. I mean, the whole world can crumble around us. And if we're still alive, guess what we should have? Peace. 
And Jesus illustrates that through his entire existence in the earth. He comes and he literally brings peace, even in situations that look like they're like they're um, violent or chaotic. When he turns over the tables in the temple, he says, my father's house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, by him being aggressive and vehement about that, it wasn't that he just lost it for a minute. He's still peace. How many of you can be peaceful and still and still have things put things in order? In fact, when Jesus spoke to the wind and he spoke to the raging sea, I'm sure he had to speak loud enough for them to hear him over the raging sea, but he didn't have to yell, holler, and shout. He just spoke to it and said, peace be still. When he cursed the fig tree, I wonder, did he go, you fig tree that beareth not fruit? (laughs) What meaneth this? I therefore from the eternities of time curseth thou forever. All right, I'm dramatic. Okay, I don't, think, I don't think that Jesus had to do that. But he, he took that cursed tree, and he, I mean that, that, that fig tree, and he just cursed it because it did. So what I'm saying is that we can be violent against the kingdom of the enemy and still be peacemakers. We can, we can have war in our hearts against the devil and be mad, upset, and agitated about the things that the enemy is doing, but not be mad, upset, and agitated in our personal lives with Christ. That's the dichotomy that somebody who won the victory seemed to be pretty defeated laying there on that cross. That's the dichotomy. Somebody who says, you know, I, I, I go away and I'm coming again and we ain't seen him yet. But how many know he's coming? <laughs> that, that's how. Yeah. So 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 the thing is, we have to learn the dichotomy of peace. And I want to show you this because I don't want to preach some teach some little lesson about, OK, you have to be peaceful. And peaceful means to not argue or fight. Peaceful means that everything's going to be just fine and dandy. No, peaceful means that you might have to de- demand it. You may have to move some things out the way to get some peace. Do you know that when there is a hemorrhage in your body that they have to do that to cut some things, snip some things, tie some things off? And, that, and that's not peaceful, but it brings about peace. When somebody is in cardiac arrest, there's some things that have to be done to bring them to a place of peace. And it doesn't sound they don't go, shh, he's having a heart attack. Now they holler, stat, <laughs> you know, like cold blue, move, do it. And so that's where we need to be in the body of Christ, to not be confused with what peace is, because some people think peace is just quiet. I don't have to have quiet to have peace. But in order for me to manifest, I need to understand what it means. So as I had, had him to read those, they're surrounded by all of these other blessed are they. And I, and I just had to confess that usually, you know, I, I'm not the only one that felt that way, that I thought I could just pick maybe one or two of those. Or I got that one. I got that one. I'm still working on that one. This one is the ultimate. This one becomes an ultimate focal point for us because it speaks of the character of God in a way in which we cannot deny it. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, there's one thing about being known as associated with God or inheriting the earth. But to be the children of God is the isn't that what we're that's why we accepted Christ to become a child of God. Beloved, now we are the sons and daughters of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be, which means that there's a process. And in the making of us, in the, in the making of us being the children of God, we have to go through this particular regimen and is the regimen of peace. The NIV translation of it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Now, the King James Version, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The NIV, the New International Version, which comes from a more concise translation of the original text, says, God blesses those who work for peace. Now, I'm not saying the NIV is better than the the KJV. I'm saying that it comes from a more direct, it's called a transliteration as opposed to a translation. 
I can say something to you and you can turn around and say it to somebody else in translation and not include everything, but a transliteration would be that you'd have to find the exact words to describe exactly what I said. And that's what it says in the second version here, that God blesses those who work for peace. So it proves the point that peace is not just sitting down being quiet, shutting up and just waiting until the storm is over, rocking back and forth, but we have to work for peace. Sometimes we have to fight for peace, and that's an oxymoron in within itself, right? Fighting for peace. Which means that we have to have an absolute resolve that we will do whatever it takes and stop at nothing until we get peace in that area of our lives. So whatever it is, we, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Well, what kind of kingdom is this? Is this a fighting kingdom or a peaceful kingdom? It's a kingdom of peace, of which he is the prince of peace. So I'm going to illustrate or try to show you through the scripture how we must be very conscientious or intentional about being peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. Because if God brings peace and we have to keep peace, that's one thing. We're just maintaining peace. But if there's chaos and we've been given a charge to go and make peace, that's going to require some work. How many know that there's a difference? There's a difference between somebody who's keeping a fire and somebody who has to fight a fire. There is a difference. There's a difference between somebody who just keeps children and then somebody who's the children go home with you. Hmm. All right. And so as, as peacemakers, there's a different level of responsibility to those who have an ear and will hear this. When you leave here tonight, you'll go, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be making peace in this world. I am here as an element that will manifest the peace of God because God blesses those who work for peace, for they shall be called the children of God. I'm a child of God. My job description as a child of God is to make peace peace. Now we'll have to define it because most of the times we always look at the opposites to define a word and that isn't always justifiable. I've already established that the opposite of peace is not noise. That's not the opposite or the opposite of noise is not peace because sometimes there's noise in establishing peace. So we can't say that peace is just, that doesn't mean there's peace because the silence can be so loud for some people that it's deafening. Sometimes the silence is so loud that we try to fill it with space. We try to fill that space with things because we can't take the silence because echoing in that silence is the hurt and the pain of what it is that brought us the turmoil in the first place. But if you understand what it means to be a peacemaker, even if there are fights, you know how to bring peace in situations, which means that the opposite of peace then would be rebel rousers, uh, uh, gainsayers, these are all biblical terms. I'll give you the earthly terms in just a minute. Backbiters, um, gossipers, um, all of those things that, that now have a different name. Now the name is, it might not be none of my business, but I noticed that. Or you didn't hear this from me, but did you hear? Or you know what I saw? I could be wrong, but what I'm thinking is it's, or I know that's what the pastor said, but I don't think it take all that. It don't mean that. He just, he just going to the extreme. Or, yeah, okay, yep, mm, yes, boss, I'll do it. Psh, I can't stand him. I wish this whole place would just burn down. That's the opposite of a peacemaker. The opposite of a peacemaker would be somebody who sows discord among the brethren. The opposite of a peacemaker would be somebody who said, you know, just, just that look. And then they look across the room with your partner that you've already talked about that thing with. That's the opposite of a peacemaker. And anybody that's opposing making peace is not a child of God. I didn't say it, the scripture did. Because God honors and rewards those who are about the work of making peace. But he also judges those who are making hell, raising it on the earth by here, here, a little bit here, and a little bit there. A little gossip, ain't gonna hurt you. It's funny, right? Ah. 
But in the end, the enemy will be laughing at us. We'll have no peace. And then we can't find any joy either. Because sometimes people want to have a nice coating of joy and they don't have peace. That's like putting ice cream in the frying pan. That's like trying to fry the, just put the ice cream in the frying pan and see what you get. You got a hot mess. And it's a hot mess. So, so stop and think about it. So I want to have joy on top of this lack of peace. And that's why the joy only lasts for so long and then it dies. And that's why we get midweek and go, where's the joy that I had on Sunday? I still got that, that same joy that I, I just couldn't contain myself on Sunday. I still got that inside of me. I have to curtail it at times. I have situations that arise that it would just be psychopathic of me to break out in the dance in the midst of dealing with issues. But this joy I have, the world didn't give it, so the world sure can't take it. And it's not circumstantial. It's not situational. In fact, even if it was situation, the situation already happened and I got the victory, so I got the joy. That's my trophy for going through the situation is that I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And the enemy can't take it. He can't, there's nothing that he can do. But I cannot place joy on top of the lack of peace because not only is it out of order, but now I've made light of something that Jesus had to die for me to have. We couldn't get into the presence of God without Jesus. In his presence is fullness of joy. Jesus had to die for me to get the joy. And I'm just priming you for the message on joy, but we can't put joy on top of peace if peace is not there. Or if peace is artificial, if it's manufactured, or if it came from the dollar store and we're treating it like it's from Saks. How many know there's a difference? Where'd you get your peace from? Ask somebody next to you, say, where'd your peace come from? Yeah, did your peace come from somebody just told you something to make you feel good, a compliment, or, you know, you got a little attention. So, who, now I'm in peace. As long as they acknowledge, as long as they recognize I'm good. I just needed them to say they were sorry, so now I'm at peace. Do you know that we're obligated to forgive whether a person apologizes or not? How's that for getting your peace? How's that? I'm going to have peace whether they, because some folks is dead and in the grave. And you still like, they hurt me. They hurt. You just don't know. They hurt. And they took their peace, your peace to the grave with you. And on a tombstone is rest in peace. They resting in peace or pieces. They're resting. Reese's peace. They're resting. And you sit up here in turmoil because of what has happened is that we've allowed peace to be relegated to an event or to an occurrence or to an individual. And that's not what peace is just as fluid as oxygen. It got to flow. If there's no oxygen flowing, then we can't breathe. And some of the reasons why people cannot breathe in their lives is because they have no peace or the peace they have is limited or it's tainted. How many of you ever breathed some bad stale air? <coughs> and that's where people are spiritually. Things. Here's a scripture in James. We talked about it a little bit last week, but it says this. And read this together out loud. What does it say? All right. So we have to read this backwards to get the full understanding. All right. Peacemakers are responsible for sowing seeds. Those seeds are sown in peace so that the fruit ultimately is the righteousness of God. All right, so we just read the scripture backwards so you can get the understanding of it. Sometimes you got to flip it around. Because when I read this, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace, I'm thinking, well, where's the seed? Because it starts out with the fruit, right? And you can't have fruit without a seed according to Genesis, right? And so, so we have to read this backwards and go, okay, peacemakers are people that sow seeds in peace, or they make it, they're like, here, here's some peace for you. So that ultimately the fruit will be righteousness and not chaos. I shouldn't leave a situation mad, angry, upset, and feel shorted if I'm a peacemaker. 
I have to make peace in order for my job description to be fulfilled. And we are the righteousness of God. According to the scriptures, we are the righteousness of God. So if we're the fruit of righteousness or we bear the fruit of righteousness, where did it come from? It came from the seeds. And if we're sowing whispers and, and, and disenchantments and derision among the brother, we couldn't possibly be sowing peace. Even if there is turmoil going on in somebody's life, we are going to bring peace or we have to stay completely silent on the situation. There's certain things that's happening in people's lives right now. I ain't said a word. I'm not going to say nothing, nothing at all. In fact, here in the United States, we have the Fifth Amendment right to hold our peace, to be completely silent. You have a right to remain silent. Why? Because anything you say or do can and will be held against you in the court of law. What law? The law of the land. You open your mouth and you say something negative about somebody. Guess what's going to happen? That seed is going to come back to you and it won't be righteous. So we got to be very careful. We got to be careful even in agreeing with somebody who's speaking negative about somebody else. We have to be very cautious about even siding with laughing, joking and jollying with the fact that there is something that is not right about that seed that just got sown. And we're looking for righteousness. We want righteousness. Think about it. There's righteousness, there's peace and there's joy in the Holy Ghost. How did peace get up in there with the Holy Ghost? You mean to tell me then that I don't have a pure Holy Ghost if I don't have peace? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How did that creep in there? We're talking about Advent, and two of the Advents are in that scripture right there. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And here's your righteousness right here. So they go together. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy righteousness, peace, and joy. So the fruit of righteousness comes as a result of peace, and then as a result of peace, we get joy. You follow me? Come on, somebody say, thank you for the revelation. Yeah, it took me a while to get that too. I'm like, what? Okay, so now I get it. The reason why my righteousness keeps failing is because I'm missing the other two elements, and if I don't work to get the other element in place, because we're not working for salvation, but I have to work for peace. I have to keep working that relationship until peace comes. I have to keep working the way that I'm thinking because it's not coming out right. I got to keep working the numbers because it don't look right. I got to keep working. It says that we have to work peace. Peacemakers are people who work for peace. Still haven't really defined it yet to you because, you know, we're thinking about peace as just being Shh, quiet or oh, everybody getting along. Peace could be you go your way and I go mine. And may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. Peace could be, we probably would have never, should have never been together in the first place. Peace, peace, peace. Come on, everybody say peace, peace. The scripture here tells us this in Romans. Romans, the 14th chapter, verse number 19. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Read that, read that out loud. What does it say? Here's an instruction for us as it relates to peace. When peace is the goal, then growth is going to be the result. I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm just not growing. I just, I don't feel like I'm growing. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's the church. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the pastor. I just don't know. He just antagonizes me at times, but I just don't know. I'm not growing. <laughs> if peace is the goal, then growth is going to be the result. What's your goal? The goal is I want to win. Really? No, I want I want peace. Because if we have peace, I win, you win, we win, they win. We all win because we got peace. Do you realize that the Olympic Games were known as the Peace Games? 
And they were established to bring unity among all the countries that compete. And those circles that you see as the emblem are the overlapping and the connection of people from all over the world competing in friendly sportsmanship to bring peace. It's open with a torch and it's closed with the passing of an olive branch, which represents peace. And it started long. I mean, this is just ancient manifestations of let's have world peace. That's what the, the games were all about. Huh. And that's something. But there's some fighting. There's some competing. There's some diving championship competitions going on. There's some folks getting the smack down. All of that. All in the name of let's get some peace. When we read the scripture, what does it say? Let us follow after the things which make for peace. How do we follow after the things that make for peace? Tell me really quickly, what are some things that make for peace? What are some things that make for peace? Forgiveness. Soft answers. Yeah, soft words. Turns away wrath. Give me some more. Patience. That's a fruit of the spirit. Yeah. What else? Ignore the negativity. Just shut it out like it doesn't even exist. Okay. It takes, it takes some temperance for that. That's temperance. It really takes some temperance to be able to ignore you. I used to tease my sisters. I used to be all up in their face going, la, 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 la. And it took some temperance to be able to keep from smacking that boy's head off, right? Well, sometimes we have to be temperate when the enemy is constantly bringing negativity, 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 negativity. Just bring it to us all the time. We have to go, la, 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 la. Give me some other things that make for peace. Unconditional love, compromise. All right? What else? Faith. How does faith work for bringing, making peace? Okay. Or that they have the capacity to love. Yeah, because that could be it. See, because some people don't even know how to love because they have never really received it, so they can't even give it. And so love becomes the answer. This is general. How do you love somebody who's not loving you and you can't seem to get that across to them? It's, it's hard to do that. Because remember, we only do it in expectation that it's coming back to us. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. We're deceived into believing that we have the right to demand love out of them and we're going to hold ours and to see how much that you ain't gave no love. You don't get no love. You reap what you sow regardless. Well, beyond that, their capacity is limited. So what I'm getting at is you have the ability to sow seeds. You can sow a seed of love to them. And before you know it, they love you and don't know why they, they can't explain it. They don't understand it. Now, let's remove it from a person. And take it to a situation. Let's look at situations in your life where you need to have something that makes for peace. All right. Turmoil on the job. It's not a person. It could be the economy. It could be the industry. It could be the product. It could be the way the marketing is done. It could be a lot of things. It could be just poor customer service. I watched that commercial about, I think it was when the lady comes in and throws the tire through the window. Whose fault is that? You know what I mean? And so situations, there are situations that that occur or that exist of which we must be sowing some seeds of love because we're going to we're going to come that trail again. And it's it says if we follow the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another, ultimately they'll grow. Ultimately, I'll grow. I'll grow. Other things that make for peace, communication, talking, clearly understanding. The words that are coming out of my mouth. Communication, though, has to be coupled with understanding because I have been communicating for the last 13 years. Next question, please. No, no. So, so communication is one part, but communication has to be coupled with understanding. And all thy getting, get, yep. And this morning we talked about how understanding, wisdom, and discernment are not the same thing. You need all three of them, but they're not. So I like communication, but I want to add some understanding with that. So we got understanding and wisdom. Yes. Consistency, how so? Makes for the makes for peace. Consistency makes for peace. 
I like that because it literally shows an attribute of God. God is consistent daily, day by day, morning by morning. His mercies for us are brand new. And his consistency is what causes us to have faith and trust. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the Scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.